Okay, good morning, everybody. Welcome to this week's virtual plant clinic. My name is Bill Lester. I'm with University of Florida IFAS Extension Service here in Hernando County. And I'm here today with my regular co-host, Lily Browning, who is the Florida Friendly Landscape Coordinator here in Hernando County. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I just moved in here about with about three minutes to go. Usually uh, we see each other a good 10 or so minutes beforehand, but I just decided to give Bill a little something to be nervous about this morning. <laughs> I wasn't worried. If you weren't here on time, I would have started and you would have popped in eventually. So, <laughs> so that's the least of my worries for today. So, hey, if anybody has any questions, just go ahead and put them in the comments. And also, I know that this presentation is broadcast live on YouTube Live and also on our offices, the Hernando County Extension Facebook page and Hernando Extension's um, Facebook group. And if for some reason you're putting in questions and you're not getting a response from us or an answer, I'm not sure if we can see all the questions put in from all those different venues. So if you have a question, a uh, lawn or garden or tree question or anything, and you want to go ahead and email it to me, please do so because I have my email open. Let me see. Okay, no, no picture or question emails there yet. So go ahead and ask your questions in the comments or go ahead and shoot me an email and send pictures. We'll go ahead and show the pictures and share them with everybody. And we'll try to figure out what your problem is. And if we can't figure it out, we'll find somebody smarter than we are to help figure it out. Good morning, buddy. Yes, we have buddy here from the panhandle and Brenda here. Uh, good morning, Brenda, and Lee's here also. Mm -hmm. So we got a few people tuning in. Yep. So you and I did a field trip on Monday. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Um, sure. That was interesting. That was fun. <laughs> yes. Um, well, it was a customer of Hernando County Utilities, so I went to go see her um, because she, you know, was unhappy with her bill how high her bill was and um i looked at her consumption and it was pretty a little high but pretty typical for somebody who waters one day a week i could tell she wasn't cheating on the watering restrictions but maybe you know each zone was on a little too long she just didn't like you know having to pay the bill that she was you know paying for the water usage that she was using um widow you know alone um trying to figure things out on her own and so bill and i went there and basically what i had already told her i mean she had mostly saint augustine but the front yard was fairly mixture wasn't it bill bermuda and it was bermuda bahia weeds a little bit of everything kind of a <clears throat> what is it the mixed mixed turf like yeah, you and I have diverse lawn area. I wish I could exactly. get that Bermuda uh -huh. to grow in my yard. It, it only wants to grow in my plant beds. <laughs> but anyway, 
what I told her was of the amount that she was using, the amount of gallons, probably I'd say, you know, to be generous, one person living alone, three to 4,000 gallons of that was probably her use, her showers, her washing dishes, laundry, and that's being pretty generous for one person. Yes, because it was just just her living alone, and she was ninety years old. Yes, so. and um, she was using you know oh well over twenty thousand, and I told her the rest of that is going to your going in the ground to your you know in your lawn. But she does have an irrigation company who told her not to touch her <laughs> her um, clock there and. Um, they set each zone, some zones for an hour, some zones for 40 minutes. We really didn't get that detailed to see if that was justified or not by the kind of heads that she had. But what did we basically end up telling her, Bill? What we told her was because here in Hernando County, <clears throat> it started raining and it's raining a lot and while we were there there was a huge downpour it was 10 o'clock in the morning yeah we got wet yeah <laughs> yeah big dark cloud blew over and had a huge downpour must have got an inch or more of rain really quick and we told her that when it is raining on a regular basis you should shut your lawn irrigation off for her because she doesn't have a perfect saint augustine lawn it's a mixed turf grass area she does not live in a homeowners association or a gated community so i mean on a, you know I, I understand that she wants to have a nice looking lawn but her irrigation should really only run during really dry periods of the year during wet periods and if it stays wet this summer she can turn her irrigation off and keep it off until halloween and she did she turned yep. it off and um, well, we also talked to her daughter on the phone, which was, you know, kind of a good thing. And we, um, her daughter and I spoke and saying she's going to keep it off and see if that makes a major change in her bill. And then. And hopefully it will. Hopefully her bill I will come down. It will. I fully believe it will. And mm -hmm. I'm going to also keep an eye on it. But if it doesn't then they need to bring a leak detector company out and see what you know maybe there is an underground leak in the irrigation system or maybe it's even you know inside which would be a whole different type of situation but i'm um we'll, we'll get back to you on that to see how much she saved by relying on the rain and um you know turning that irrigation system off in the summer and I told her daughter, and um, she really said that really makes a lot of sense. I keep repeating this. We somehow got things backwards that our lawns and our landscapes utterly depend on that irrigation system. And if it rains, great. No, it's the other way around. Those irrigation systems were created to supplement natural rainfall. Your plants outside, including your lawn, should rely on natural rainfall to survive. And then the irrigation system should be a boost or a supplement when absolutely necessary. But so Beth Ann here makes a good point in the comments. She said, I understand saving water 
<clears throat> but I don't think we need to be so focused on homeowners as much as businesses. So what, and this is just for Hernando County. So Beth Ann, if you're from another county, your situation is going to be different. But what do you guys do here in Hernando County with businesses that are watering all day, every day, wrong days, wrong times, mm -hmm. whatever? That is actually not my focus. So I, I'm not um, all that aware. I know code enforcement. We, um, my supervisor has been working closely with code enforcement to try and, um, uh, you know, get a hold of what's going on because during the dry season, what actually was happening is um, our own customers were using so much water. We probably went over our permitted level for the month and we have to pay fines for that. But it was also affecting people's pressure. You know, so many people were cheating and using the water all at the same time. And that puts pressure on our pumps so that, you know, it affects multitude amounts of people. I expect that to level back out now that it is raining, but you're right. I mean, those businesses and that's where it gets sticky because you can't go in and talk to the manager because a lot of times they don't have control of it. It's like some corporate, you know, entity somewhere. So it becomes very um, difficult, but you're right. We need to do get, we need to, everyone needs to do the right thing. Because as exactly. we said, you know, more, more people are moving here, more businesses are being built. Bill keeps warning you these restrictions are going to get more strict, not less. Yeah, I'm sure code enforcement does deal with businesses where either somebody complains or code enforcement just happens to notice that they're running their sprinklers. And probably what happens is the person, the people at the business, let's say you go to a fast food restaurant and you see their sprinklers are running at high noon and they've been running what looks like for hours because there's puddles in the parking lot and everything. The people working there don't know how to operate the irrigation. They're going to have to call corporate. They're going to have to call the maintenance guy out. He's going to have to check it. He's going to have to reset the timer. So it's not as simple as a homeowner dealing with their irrigation, even though homeowners don't always know how to operate the box. That's why we have, you know, irrigation services to come and check those things. Um, we probably need to have somebody from code enforcement on here one day, don't we? That is a great idea. Yeah, that is a great idea. I'll look into that. We'll have a we'll have a guest with Hernando County Code Enforcement on here. And, and I know they're out there and they're working hard because I'm getting some upset phone calls. <laughs> so I know. Um, well, there's a couple of things going on. Um, people who work for utilities are um, trying to have conversations with people that they notice, you know, maybe you're using too much water. You know, it's kind of a giveaway when you have an emerald green lawn, <laughs> nobody else on the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're just having conversations and reminding you or leaving door hangers to remind you. And then I get phone calls of people, you know, why are you telling me this? Well, because <laughs> these are the rules. Um, be glad that wasn't code enforcement. Be glad it was us. But, you know, then I get phone calls from people who are being cited. And um, I wish I knew the exact, um, I can't tell you the exact fines 
Uh, but the first one, some people just are like, whatever, it's the cost, I'll pay it because I want to have a green lawn. But it's going to keep going. It's going to keep going up if you keep ignoring it. And eventually, you may actually be required to um, put an appearance before a special magistrate. So, you know, it, it's... You don't want to have to do that. Right. <laughs> and so, but those things are calming down now because nature is helping us with the rains. Yes, it is. And in other parts of the country, um, Austin up in Green Bay? Yeah. Is tomatoes going? And they're really big. And he even figured out how to shoot me an email. Let me go ahead and show some pictures here. And can you see that okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. Pretty tomatoes. Yeah, those, those are some beautiful, healthy tomato plants up there in Wisconsin. And they look great now <clears throat> if you're here in hernando county florida or really anywhere in florida at this point and you're growing tomatoes my guess is they don't look quite this good at this point because now this time of year oh there we go we are getting we are at the very end of spring tomato season Hopefully you planted tomatoes early in the spring, started transplants very early if you start your own from seed, got them out in the garden by March 1st, maybe March 15th at the latest, and you have gotten lots and lots of tomatoes off of them. At this point, they are going to crash and burn very soon if they haven't already. I have tomatoes in my garden and they are coming out. I'm picking the last of them right now and the plants are coming out. They have I don't know how it happened, but I was just overwhelmed with spider mites for some reason. Haven't had a problem with them in years. Mm -hmm. um, I have leaf-footed bug nymphs out there poking holes in the tomatoes. Uh, I'm going to have caterpillars, and they are eaten up with fungal leaf spot diseases. So this is a good example of if you live in Wisconsin, you are on one calendar, one gardening calendar. If you live here in Florida, totally different calendar. Right. If you using that northern one, things are not going to be pretty and they're not going to work out. If you're just here from New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and you just got here, because a lot of people, we have a lot of new people are coming, um, don't worry about a vegetable garden right now. <laughs> you know, just get settled and you can maybe have a fall garden um, starting right about what, Labor Day or so, correct, Bill? Yes, that's correct. But really right now, you're coming into a really important time of year because as soon as I remove the tomato plants, I still have peppers and eggplants out there that are doing well. So I'm going to leave them in a little bit longer. But now is the time for me to start making compost mm -hmm. and start gathering the grass clippings, working all that organic matter into the garden. I'm going to try planting a cover crop, I think. I need to order the seeds for that. What are you and going to use? I'm going to try sorghum Sudan grass. Okay. Which is, um, it's a grass, it almost looks like it could be a turf grass. And it's a grass, technically it'll grow a couple feet tall. I've never, I've never gotten it to grow more than maybe a foot or so tall. But it's to 
cover your garden, help keep the weeds out. That grass will grow. When the time comes, I'm going to chop it down to the ground and turn it over. It's going to break down. And then in the fall, when I'm ready to put all my new vegetables in, the seeds, the transplants, everything else, the soil will be in much better shape than it is right now. And if you plant the cover crop, a really important benefit is if you leave bare dirt, any of the nutrients that are in your sandy soil, when it rains a lot, and it's probably going to rain a lot this summer, all get washed away. And where do they end up eventually? In the aquifer. Yeah. In the aquifer, exactly. Mm -hmm. And where are they not now? Not in your soil for your vegetable garden. Yes. Exactly. But if you grow a cover crop, that cover crop will suck up all those stray nutrients and hold them in the plant. And when you chop it down or work it in the soil, you have just saved the nutrients. It's kind of like um, a savings account at the bank. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And that's so why farmers do that. That's why farmers do that too. It also, um, what it does is you're bringing diversity to that area. So you're not planting the same thing over and over and over. So all the pests and diseases are there for that one crop that diversification of the crop kind of confuses the pests and the, uh, that you break the disease cycle and everything. So it does the, what you don't want to do is to have a garden plot and grow, let's say just tomatoes, tomatoes in the spring, tomatoes in the fall, tomatoes in the winter, you do that. And after a couple of years, you're going to have huge numbers of tomato pests because they know that you're always growing tomatoes. <laughs> So if you mix it up and rotate things, That's it where helps the to is. the disease yeah. pressure on insects. They said, let's go out to the buffet. It's been in the same place for years. Let's, exactly, let's the tomato that. buffet. Yes. Um, and what you were saying reminded me of the class I taught yesterday, um, Harvesting the Rain. And one of the tips you know, that we give is the more plant material you have in your yard, some people tend to think, I'll just make it simpler or I'll have all rocks, which is not Florida friendly, by the way, or 100% mulch, that is not either. The more plant material you have, the more it does absorb the rainfall that you get. The point of the class was to keep as much as the uh, rain that nature gives you on your own property, to utilize it for yourself, which is a good benefit, but also reducing stormwater runoff, which, takes pollutants to our waterways. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, larger commercial growers will use cover crops to help reduce erosion. Yes. It, it's not that big, it, well, I don't know, some people have very large vegetable gardens, but if you have a very large vegetable garden and it's just bare soil, when we do get a lot of rain, a lot of that, the topsoil and dirt's gonna run off and it might get into the storm drains and into a waterway and we don't want to see you know dirt mm -hmm. out there on the waterways either and again tell us what can you grow though right now it's not absolutely grow nothing there are a few things you can grow if you are hardy enough <laughs> to do it sure the, the main ones are okra black eyed peas and sweet potatoes okay. and there are other specialty um tropical crops that you can try growing most of them are really important in um south and central american and caribbean cuisines and they'll take the heat 
a lot of people aren't all that familiar with them, but it is definitely worth experimenting with. There's a few others that I read about, Malabar spinach, and there's another kind of spinach, and it's not really a true spinach. I was going to say, yeah, spinach it's is a, a, leaf, a green leafy plant where you can pick the leaves and eat it like spinach. Hmm. I've Some people like it, other people absolutely hate it. I've heard that it's kind of an acquired taste. You know, uh, everything we eat, somebody experimented at some time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very nutritious for you. And if you want to try growing that, that's great to experiment with that. Um, but if you like okra, now is the time of year to grow okra. And it's essential in good gumbo. So, yes. And that's what, you, you know, I always point that out. Okra, black eyed peas, sweet potatoes. What does that make you think of? Makes you think of Southern food. Well, that makes sense because once upon a time, you know, they didn't have all that access to all the grocery stores and everything. So you you eat what can grow, <laughs> you know, you eat what's in season. So makes makes me think of barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> so Joseph, Joseph has a question here. Anything special I need to save watermelon seeds for planting? Nope. Just save the seeds and you can plant them if they come from a grocery store watermelon and that watermelon is a hybrid variety. There's a really good chance that when you plant the seeds, it's going to grow to be either mommy watermelon or daddy watermelon, <laughs> which is probably going to be very different from the watermelon that you took the seeds from. Um, one plant that they use when watermelon breeding is citron and i'm not sure if you've ever heard of that it's yeah they're they're smaller than a they're round and it's kind of, it's a melon like and a they're as a rock and you can pickle them they used to be very popular like a hundred years ago right are they kind of like a honeydew they're they're the size of a honeydew hard as a rock okay. and they never, they never um they never like ripen and turn sweet where you can cut them open and eat them as is like a watermelon or honeydew or anything like that. But people pickle them. And like mm -hmm. I said, they used to be very, very popular. I've never tried them pickled. No. But that's one of the um, parent plants that they sometimes use with hybrid watermelons. So it will be some kind of melon. I can guarantee you that. It may be a beautiful, tasty watermelon. It may not be. It's definitely worth experimenting. When would you plant those seeds? You would plant them here in Hernando County or in Central Florida very early spring. As okay. early in the spring as you can get them out, generally March 1st is usually safe. Where would? How would you keep the seeds? Um, just dry them off, you know, rinse them off, dry them off really, really well and keep them ideally in a paper bag in a cool, dark place, like in a closet in your house. Okay. That's where I keep all my vegetable seeds in the closet in the spare bedroom. So you can't just have a watermelon spitting contest, seed spitting contest and grow watermelons. If you just start throwing or spitting the seeds outdoors, they'll probably come up this summer. They can germinate pretty quickly, but you don't want to try growing them in the heat of summer. You may think like, oh, well, I buy watermelons or I used to up north at the farmer's market for 4th of July or middle of August. 
Here, you want to grow them much earlier than that. Growing them during the heat of summer, you're going to have way too many disease problems, insect pest problems. Heat of summer, you want to grow okra. Just stick with okra. Okra and sweet potatoes. And exactly. black eyed peas. And we had a class a while back on how to grow sweet potatoes. And they are very, very easy to grow. Very few pest problems. They have a few, but not many. And see, I'm not the only one that likes okra. Kimberly likes okra too, so. Depends on how you cook it, I guess. I don't know how you boil the okra. <laughs> you don't want to just steam it or boil it. I mean, some people do boil it, or you can put it in with uh, stewed tomatoes. That's a northern thing. You probably had that in Pennsylvania. Kimberly only likes them fried. Fried is very good. In and Gumbo, now we have all these, um, um, you know, what are they in the, <laughs> you know, you the, pickle, the, pot, the, the fryers, you know, that you use less uh, oil and all of that. You can fry it and air help fry it. it. Somebody yeah. try air frying it and let us know how it turned out. Thank you for getting those words from me. <laughs> the healthier choice. <laughs> yes. So, going back to cover crops, Susan, I just read an article just this morning about how South Florida growers are using cover crops and are getting really, really good results with them. And the county extension director, I believe in Hendry County, wrote the article, and I was going to get a hold of him to have him teach a class soon within the next you know, couple weeks to month or so on uh, cover crops because it's something that home vegetable gardeners can do and really, really helps to build up your soil long-term. And during the summer when you can't grow a whole lot successfully other than okra, um, it's a really good time to put in a cover crop. You really don't want to abandon your garden and just let the weeds take over because you will hate yourself in the fall when you have to pull those weeds out. I've been there and done that myself. It's easier to have a cover crop in there to keep the weeds out. But a couple examples of things that work well in the summer is sorghum Sudan grass, which is a type of grass. It's a hybrid grass. Um, some people use buckwheat, although it may be a little bit too hot here during the summer. Buckwheat will flower and it has tiny little flowers and pollinators and beneficial insects. Absolutely love it. Um, what else can you use? When does alfalfa grow? Is that in the summer? Alfalfa will not grow in Florida. It gets too hot and steamy here. Okay. So maybe up in the panhandle, the western panhandle, they can. Uh, if you buy alfalfa, it always, it generally always comes from Kansas. Hmm. I guess Kansas is perfect for alfalfa in areas around Kansas, out west. Um, about just like bahia seed or, or something like that. Sure. Throwing in bahia seed helps and bahia seed will help, um, discourage nematodes. Also, they generally don't like bahia. And another one you can grow is different varieties of black eyed peas, which you could grow to flower and make black eyed peas and you pick them and eat them or you grow the black eyed peas as a cover crop. And when it gets to the point where over 50% of them are flowering, 
chop them down and turn them under. It and is a fantastic are, soil amendment to help build up the organic matter in your garden. And, and they are legumes. So therefore they well, add nitrogen yes. for free. Yes. If, if they are nitrogen fixers in the soil, can you explain what that means? Sure. Some, some plants will do what they call they fix nitrogen. 70, about 70% 70 of the air around us is nitrogen, but it's N2. It's two nitrogen atoms bound together in a triple um, chemical bond. Triple bonds are really, really hard to break. One thing that does break them is lightning. So when we have a lightning storm and lightning goes through the sky, it breaks some of the atmospheric nitrogen into individual atoms and they sprinkle down onto the ground with the rain. Do you ever wonder why the trees in the forest and all the weeds alongside of the highway grow so well and so yeah. green? And we don't fertilize them. It's because um, that natural nitrogen, which adds a good amount of nitrogen per acre. Um, other ways to add nitrogen is you can use commercial fertilizers, which uses that atmospheric nitrogen and it's broken with the use of methane and they burn it and they make it that way. Yeah. Or some plants have a beneficial relationship with soil bacteria and they it's generally happens with legumes or things in the bean family. So if you grow any kind of green beans or black eyed peas or any kind of legume, a lot of times in the soil, there's beneficial bacteria that will attach to the, to the green beans roots. And this bacteria is able to take atmospheric nitrogen and turn it into nitrogen. And it gives it to the green bean plant. Nice. And the green bean plant says, thank you, and gives the, be the beneficial bacteria uh, carbohydrates. And they have this, you know, wonderful relationship going on there. So if you grow legumes as a cover crop and turn them under, it adds a lot of nitrogen to your soil. So the next crop you grow, you don't have to add any nitrogen fertilizer to. Interesting. What about peanuts? When can we grow those? And would those be a good cover crop? You can grow peanuts right now. That's what it's I thought. Most, I never really run across homeowners that generally grow peanuts, but you can. Okay, that is a, something you can grow in the summer, correct? Yes, that grows during the heat of summer. You can plant them right now, today. Um, I, I thought so because I'm remembering back 43 or so years ago um, when we moved here, my sister had a farm, and I remember her husband at the time <laughs> making me um, harvest some peanuts <laughs> and it was really 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 hot <laughs> when we were doing that so yes and when you harvest them there's a lot of plant matter up on above the ground and all you're taking is the peanuts that are growing underground so when you harvest peanuts you end up with lots and lots of plant matter left over you could chop that up until it's in your soil, in your garden, or you could take that and compost it, and it gives you just a ton of free organic matter to put back into your soil. How about decorative perennial peanut? Or will that get too out of control? Depends. 
the perennial peanut, there's two kinds. There's the, and I can never say this word correctly, the rhizomal, mm -hmm. I think it is, mm -hmm. kind that grows from rhizomes underground and it spreads and spreads and it will fill in a lawn, but it will keep going and keep spreading until okay. it hits a wall yeah. or sidewalk or something that stops it. And then there's the um, other perennial peanut that you start from seed, and it generally doesn't spread. Okay. So if you have a spot where you didn't put down the seed, the perennial peanut will not end up there. Mm -hmm. So it kind of depends on what your goal is. If you have a pasture, and you want to put in perennial peanut for your livestock, the rhizomal kind will spread and spread and do well. If you have, if you just want to fill in a small lawn area, you may want to stick with the seed one because people will put in the rhizomal one and then call and complain that it's in my flower beds, it's in my backyard, it's all over the neighborhood now. Mm -hmm. Hey, it grows, it spreads. Yes. You okay. could grow. That's not going to make a really good cover crop, but if you have it growing in your yard, it does have to be cut twice a year. You can run a lawnmower over it and bag the clippings, and that is all fantastic for your compost pile. So Lee grows okra and cooks them with onions and tomatoes. I've tried that before. I like that. That's really good. That's good, you know, we seem to keep going back to training recipes on here. We <laughs> have, uh, really? I will plan on having a cooking special sometime really soon. Yes. And I know just the person to invite to uh, share some healthy recipes and healthy cooking tips on what you can do with these different summer vegetables. So don't let me forget that one, Lily. We're going to okay. do that. All right. And Susan, like I said, follow us on Facebook. I am going to have a class on cover crops with experts. And it's something that home gardeners don't think about a whole lot. But if you do it, you can, you can get really, really good benefits from it long term. So you would rather do that than um, solarize your garden? You could do both if you start early and keep it going until late, you have to keep the plastic on at least four weeks to get good benefits from solarizing. So if you look at from June 15th to August 15th, that's probably enough time to solarize and squeeze in a cover crop also. Okay. And what what is the purpose of solarizing? Solarizing, if you have problems with, um, especially nematodes, which are microscopic um, worms that live in the soil and some species are going to damage your plant roots. Uh, you can solarize, which is where you clean everything out of your garden and just, just bare dirt, pull up all the weeds, uh, turn the chopped up plant matter under deeply, <clears throat> moisten the soil and then cover it with clear plastic. And you need to use the thicker is better i think four or five mil i think five mil plastic is best and you can get that at big box stores look for the clear plastic that they use to cover cement to protect it from the rain after they pour like a concrete driveway they have it there in big sheets and i was about to say it's not that expensive but 
it probably is. Everything is now, yes. Probably not as expensive as plywood, but I'm sure the price has gone up like everything else. <laughs> so cover it with clear plastic. And what happens is during the day when it gets really sunny and hot, the sun shines through the plastic and heats up the soil and it drives away and kills nematodes. Doesn't kill them all, but it does drive them away. They don't like it. It kills weed seeds. It kills uh, bad bacteria that maybe you're having problems with in certain crops and it kills fungal spores also, but only a couple inches deep because the deeper you go, the, the lower that temperature is, but it'll heat the surface of the soil up to 160 or so and helps to sterilize your soil. Uh, you have to do that for at least four weeks. Longer is better, but after four weeks, you can pull the plastic off mix in some compost and then you're good to plant okay so here i got a question for you lily because you probably know more about uh indoor plants than i do not really <laughs> so austin wants to know if i grew indoor plants what plants do you recommend for an indoor pot what's best to grow i'm not all that of an expert on um house plants either but there are a lot of things um, that we can grow in our yards that Austin would have to grow <laughs> inside, um, at least having it in, in a pot and bring inside. I notice um, what's happening up north is a lot of people are really, really uh, pushing, pushing the zones. And uh, there's a photographer I watch in the Pittsburgh area. She walks around taking pictures of what she calls zone pushers. <laughs> They've got palm trees and everything going on there. But hopefully most of them are in pots because you're going to have to bring them in. Pothos is a great idea. Um, I have, I still have some of my mother's, you know, in various, uh, well, no, I have, yeah, the Swedish ivy. That was my mother's in various pots all around. Um, you know, you can't really... Um, oh, that's a good question. Is he talking about something edible inside or just a house plant? Yeah, we do need to. to One grow. thing I can think of that you could probably grow inside would be turmeric because it is a ginger. You have to get the right kind of ginger because there's thousands of different varieties of gingers out there and definitely mm -hmm. not all of them are edible. They're probably not poisonous, but you don't want to grow a ginger and, you know, have it taste absolutely awful. Mm -hmm. But turmeric is a ginger and it grows into a fairly attractive plant. And I believe a flower is also. How do you um, then turn, what does it, what does the fruit look like? How does it become the powder that we are familiar with? Oh, it's from the root. So if you start okay. a little small one in a large enough pot, it will grow and the root gets bigger. And then once a year, generally fall-ish, dig it up and hopefully you have a bunch of large roots. You can harvest some to eat and keep some smaller ones to replant so you can keep the whole process going. And those large roots, and you probably want to double check online or read, look up some University of Florida information. Those roots, I believe that you peel them and it's a yellow root. Mm -hmm. And you can grind it 
dry it and grind it, and that's where they get turmeric powder from. So it's probably mostly herbs that you would um, suggest inside, or is there any kind of fruiting plants? I wouldn't know if they could, they would really need a really sunny spot, wouldn't they? Yeah, most all fruiting plants need a lot of sun, and that's really hard to achieve indoors. Because even on a sunny window, it only gets just so sunny. Mm -hmm. And your plants are going to stretch. And so, so growing things like tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers, you can try if you have a really, really sunny windowsill. Or a yeah, sun porch. Yeah, yeah, something, yeah. Herbs generally require less light, so herbs can do really well. So ro rosemary, basil, all of that fun stuff, huh? Sure, all of that, and if you're growing it indoors, you can generally grow all of them year-round. Here, if you're growing them outdoors, there are certain times of the year where they're going to do a lot better. Mm -hmm. so all those different um, Mediterranean herbs don't do really well during the summer. They kind of decline and tank a little bit. Because if they you keep them growing, they'll perk back up in the fall. Right. But, but summer's so you couldn't bring, like, grow tomatoes inside your house instead of outside through the summer. You don't think that would work? It's going to be tough because it's really tough to find a spot in your house that's that sunny. If you had a sunroom or something like that, I mean, that's totally different. You can kind of turn that into a mini greenhouse and grow mm -hmm. just about anything in there. Or if you have a greenhouse attached to your house, and I've seen pictures in magazines of, you know, beautiful setups. That could be a very, very attractive and um, valuable addition to your house. And, heck, you can grow bananas in the dead of winter up in Pittsburgh yeah. if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Melinda says, pothos is great but toxic uh, if there are plant eating pets in the house. So you always want to be careful if you have uh dogs or especially cats cats love to chew chew on house plants they do make sure it's something that's not toxic uh i keep spider plants inside they help to clean the air easy to grow and are non-toxic spider plants are very very easy to grow indoors and they're fairly low light they're not all that fussy with light and of course african violets are always a old classic standard for um you know, growing indoors, but you got to have exactly the right lighting for that. Um, yeah, that that's a whole that's an entire hobby right there. My boss Alice took mine. She's she's it. She's um, has custody of my African violets, which was actually again my mother's, um, because she has the right lighting in her office. <laughs> so. She has the nice window spot, huh? <laughs> well, I've got great windows, but she just has you know something maybe the traffic light that she put yeah, up here bounces great light off of it and kimberly has a good idea here to put up macrame hangers to keep the plants up and away from animals or that anything. works really well can look yeah. very attractive also is macrame making a comeback <laughs> i'm not sure i couldn't help you with that you don't yeah. want me making macrame <laughs> So it's looking like it's going, it's getting close to that time. And I have to go out and make a field visit in a little bit. 
And it's, ooh, it's cloudy out there, but hopefully won't be rainy while I'm out in the field. Kimberly says wow. yes, macrame is coming back. <laughs> I guess <laughs> Gen Z wants the macrame. <laughs> so if you guys have any other questions that come to mind, uh, here is Lily's email address. It's probably a very, very good way to get in touch with her. Absolutely. And of course, the best way to get in touch with me is through my email. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. There's days where my email just stacks up. And if I don't get back to you right away, I'm sorry, but it's tough to kind of plow through the, the big fires, little fires, small fires, and then everything else. Boho style. That's where the macrame is. <laughs> just making a comeback. I remember I called my mother a macromaniac because she, <laughs> in the late 70s, early 80s, that's what she was doing, macrameing everything. <laughs> yes, it is making a comeback. And if you need to get in contact with our office, there is the phone number. And if you call, Teresa will most likely answer. And if she can't help you out, today we Normally on Thursdays, we do have a master gardener, Bernie, at the office. So if you call the office, she will put you through to him and he can answer your questions. Look at your pictures. If you need to bring a sample into the office, if you catch a bug and you have it in a mayonnaise jar, and you don't know what it is, just bring it by the office. We'll figure it out. And Austin wants to know what your email is once again. It's the long one. It's a long one. Yeah, it, it's we'll leave that up there for for a while. So you're able to copy that one down. Mine's short and easy to remember. I keep telling you just be glad they're not using my last name <laughs> even longer. And Lee, thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have a small but loyal following here. So mm -hmm. That's really great. Yep. And um, Monday, stay tuned for Facebook Live, right? Yes, I almost forgot. Um, I don't think I made a Facebook post about that. I don't know. Maybe I did. I just can't remember. Um, I don't even know what you I did, did today. But did. coming up this coming Monday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live on the Hernando County uh, Extension Facebook page and... There we go, right there. Our short, short name is Hernando EXT. At 9 a.m., we're gonna have a little uh, Facebook Live tour of the office, or more exactly, the gardens out in front of the office. Because one of our uh, master gardeners, or a number of our master gardeners are all working together, kind of directed by master gardener Alice Smith, who redid the landscaping at our office and put in all native plants. And she's going to go through and show you just how well they're doing. Uh, if you have any questions about what is the name of them, does it like full sun, full shade, does it flower, whatever it might be, she can answer your questions through Facebook Live. And one big benefit of growing more native plants is what do they not need a whole lot of, Lily, that you deal with? They need a whole lot of supplemental irrigation. Very good. You don't have to water them a whole lot because they're native plants. 
they don't mind it being dry because they evolved here. They're used to Florida weather. They're yeah. used to wet in the summer, dry in the winter, you know, really, really hot in the summer. They're not going to get burned up by the summer heat and humidity. They do really well here and they can help you save on water also. So, and so. if you want wildlife, native plants are going to guarantee that you get, you get the pollinators and the wildlife because again, that's what evolved here. <laughs> and I like Brenda's comment. Woohoo. That sounds like fun. It will be fun. I'll be there. Lily's going to stop by. Maybe there might be an FFL person that might wander into the scene. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll let you cut in and we'll get you on camera also. And um, um, Brenda is reminding me the master gardener nursery has some great plants available and they have native milkweed. I assume they still have some. They have um, Asclepius tuberosa for those of us in the, uh, you know, dry sandy places. And they have Asclepius perennis, which needs a little more moisture part of the time anyway. Um, that is a swamp milkweed. So go and grab them up. It's a great opportunity to get some native milkweed. And they have other great plants too. And when are they open, Dr. Lester? They are open from, I, the technically the open hours are 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Saturday and Wednesday, but they're there at eight. So if you show up a little bit before nine, because it is starting to get a little hot out there, you want to do those outdoor things early. Yeah. Um, come by the Master Gardener Nursery on either Wednesday morning or Saturday morning. They have a bunch of different uh, native plants there. Diana, said, who's a master gardener, says they do have a few of the uh, milkweeds left. I'm and sure they only $3. Only $3. <laughs> and Brenda says only $3. So you can't. Only three. They should have charged more than that. I need to talk <laughs> to them. Yeah, they could have got more than three bucks a whack for them. So we're going to have to work on that. Will you put um, the address in there, Bill? Pardon me? Will you put the address in there? I will. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know the the uh, the street address off the top of my head. You have that memorized, though. Yes. Okay. They yeah. are in half-gallon pots, so they're decent-sized plants, and they are uh, milkweeds that are well adapted to Florida. They're going to grow like crazy here. So. And let me go ahead and show that address to everybody here. That is located, is the Master Gardener Nursery. They are located at 19490 Oliver Street in Brooksville, Florida. That is the street that runs alongside of and behind the Hernando County Fairgrounds on 41. So if you know where the fairgrounds are or if you know where Hernando County Animal Control is, Animal Control is at the very end of the street we're about halfway down on the left-hand side. Mm -hmm. They have a great selection of native plants and Florida-friendly plants. They have yeah. milkweed. They have all kinds of stuff there. You know, I'm not even sure exactly what they have, 
But I think I'm going to drag one of the Master Gardeners on here with us next week to tell everybody all about the Master Gardener Nursery. That's a great idea. Exactly. I haven't had one of them on here yet. Yeah. So. A very good idea. Maybe Cindy or Barb or someone could join us. Whoever has a microphone and a camera is going to be on here in the little square right next to <laughs> explaining what plants they have kind of prices, the hours they're open, yes. and they provide a big service to the community also, other than selling plants, which is important. Um, they answer a lot of questions over there also. Yes. They get a lot of people who have just moved to the area and don't know anything who come into the nursery and they're able to answer a lot of their questions. So. And that is a place where you can obtain a physical copy of a, a Florida-friendly um, landscaping, plant selection, guide to plant selection, and um, landscape design. The actual book in your hand for free, they'll give you a copy there. So that's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great place to start when you don't know what kind of plants, you know, to use. Start with what's in that book and you'll have a lot better success. Of course, paying attention in the book that you plant things for zone Lafurcy for Central Florida or zone 9, 9A is what we are. Yeah, if you want to put in South Florida plants, that's great, but you need to know in advance they're South Florida plants. <laughs> You're taking a gamble, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, you are. Although there are things that I would love to experiment with here, and I'm going to have people come in and teach classes about them in the near future they are looking at growing coffee in florida the kind of coffee that you know you actually drink coffee coffee not wild coffee not um, chicory no not no nobody wants to drink chicory uh, <laughs> Somebody <real> coffee. Here. <laughs> uh, they're looking at growing growing real tea here the variety that you get tea from in south florida you can grow uh the vanilla bean orchids are looking at doing that commercially, looking at different varieties, which ones are more cold tolerant, which ones are better producers. So, and artichokes. Mm. You can grow artichokes here in the winter. So those are all really good topics for classes for me to put together in the upcoming future. So I think with that, guys, it's about that time, and I need to pull myself together here to head out into the field and get a little okay. fresh air and sunshine and 11 Yeah, I don't know about fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, 11 in the morning was not a really good time of day to be doing this, but that's okay. That's I don't okay. want to. It's fine because you're doing it. <laughs> exactly. The heat doesn't bother you, so okay well thanks again everybody we really appreciate it and please be sure to tune in next thursday at 10 a.m like i said i'm going to try to have a master gardener or two or three hey we'll have a whole bunch of them on i think i can have like 10 people on here all at once uh to let everybody know all about the nursery and what's going on there what they have available how they propagate their plants and how they do what they do over there That's so until then we will see all of you again next week. Okay. Thank you, everybody.
Okay, thanks. Bye.